Amen. Thank you, Miss Denise. We appreciate that. As I was listening to those words, uh, I was reminded of a few verses of Scripture. You know, the Bible talks about it's God who directs our steps. As a matter of fact, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be in the Christian life. He guides us. He leads us. And so the Bible poses this question back in the book of Proverbs. How can a man then understand his own way? And so if you got it all figured out and you know where you're going, then you're probably following the wrong directions. Because God doesn't show us the whole thing. He just shows us usually step by step. And, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to get a hold of that song and let God put us right in His will. I think most Christians in America are just coasting through the Christian life. And that's not really the way God wanted it to be. We really need to get eager and get busy about finding His will and getting involved in His work and, and doing it. Amen? So pray about that. That's a great song, encouraging. Let me ask the children who would like to go to Children's Church to be dismissed. And we're thinking ages four to eight, somewhere around in there. Brother Brennan has offered to uh, conduct a children's service for today. So if that uh, is for you, then you follow them. They're going to slip right on out to the, to the classrooms across the way in the next building. And uh, they'll be right there during the church service uh, doing that for them. And so praise the Lord for that. Hey, we love kids, and, and uh, it's always great to be able to put the Bible on their level as well so they can... They can take home some truths of God's word in their heart. You know, the Bible said, Jesus said, you have to receive the Lord as a little child. And if you've forgotten what that's about, it's about simplicity. It's about being genuine and just having true faith, the faith to just believe at face value, just believe what God says. And uh, children are so willing to do that, aren't they? And it's so great to be able to work with them and, and see them receive God's word Sometimes they just receive it better than we do because uh, of that simplicity, and we praise God for that. Take your Bibles, if you would. Let's open God's Word together to the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. This is a great passage of Scripture. I love Romans chapter 12. It's, uh, well, the whole chapter is good. I'm not going to preach the whole chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but it's, but it's all good. And if you have time this week, you, you might want to read through there and just, just give each verse some thought. I like to just say this chapter is kind of like, it's kind of like Christian vitamins. Boy, we just need every one of them. We need all these verses. There's something here for us, and God just put it so practically in a package right here in this chapter. So a lot of good stuff there. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Once you've found your place, if you would, let's stand together. I'm going to have prayer, and then we'll read these two verses, and then we'll get right into the message. Father, how we love you today, how we thank you for your goodness to us. And once again, as we come to the scriptures, Lord, we, we thank you for your precious word. And Lord, we know with assurity and with confidence that we hold in our hands today the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, for that, because through this word, Lord, you have revealed things to us that we would not otherwise know. And so we thank you for the instruction the education, the wisdom, uh, the value, Lord, of, of what's given in the pages of Scripture. And we do pray as we read today, as we consider your word, Lord, that you would guide our hearts and, and minds. I pray you direct our thoughts. Lord, apply the word of God to our lives, each and every one, because you know exactly what we need and what we need to do with what we hear today. So I pray you'd help us be our teacher and guide through the Scriptures 
and have your will and way in each life, in each heart. Help us, Lord, to be in and do your will. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Verse 1, Romans 12, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thank you so much. You may be seated. And that kind of fits right in, in line with that song, doesn't it? Keep me in your will so that I'm not in your way. Well, you know what? Exactly what Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes here about being in the will of God, about being able to see and demonstrate that in our lives. And that is the desire or should be the desire of every believer. And so I want to preach a message this morning just with a simple title, Five Words That Will Help Your Life Take Shape. Five Words That Will Help Your Christian Life Take Shape. You know, Paul gives us some a lot, really, in these two verses. It's a bundle of truth. And he says some very, very important things um, for us to consider. There are great principles here um, that we'll consider as well. But I want to share these words with you. So if I may get right in, word number one is the word I like to call the word presentation. Presentation. You know, you and I need to be involved in this matter of presentation in the way that the Apostle Paul describes. Notice what he says in verse 1. He said that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Really what Paul's saying right here in, in Romans 12.1 is he's saying that you and I, he's saying we should give ourselves to God. Give yourself to God. That's the message of the word presentation. Paul said to present your bodies. That's what he meant. The word present means to be at hand. It means to give presently. It means to yield. You know what it means to yield, right? I hope you know what it means to yield because a lot of people on Louisiana highways don't understand that concept. Yield means to allow another person to have the right of way. And so as a Christian, when we yield to God, we're allowing him to have right of way in our life. What that means is we let his opinion take precedence over ours. We let God's direction take precedent over ours. We let God's conclusion have the right of way over ours. We trade what we think for what he thinks. That's what it means to yield. And so in the Christian life, Paul is telling us that we should do this with God. We should present our bodies. We should be at hand. You know, you know quite simply, Sometimes in the Christian life, this can be interpreted down to the simple message of just show up. Just show up. You know, there's some things in life, in the Christian life, that, that you and I, if we want to be good servants of God, we just need to show up to some things. We just need to show up to church on Sunday morning and thank the Lord you're here. We need to show up to our Bible reading during the week each and every day. We just need to be regular about that. We need to show up to our prayer time, meeting God in the morning, 
Sometimes uh, at noon, you know, the psalmist said seven times a day, uh, whatever it takes. Right. We need to walk with God and and we need to be continual in this matter of prayer. Uh, We don't need to have a moment with God and then forget about him for the rest of the day while we go do our thing. Right. We, We need to show up. We need to show up in the world. Having a changed life for the Lord and being a being an influence for God in the in the community and in the culture. If America is predominantly Christian, then why in the world are we seeing some of the immoral concepts dominating our society that are? I think that we're failing in our Christian lives to to be the powerful influence that God wants us to be on this world. You know, we need to be willing to not just show up, but sometimes speak up. Sometimes we've got to stand up. You know, it's something we're, we're seeing people start to do that. Take a stand for things and uh, push back a little bit. Hey, you know, as Christians, we don't like to do that. We like to we like to comply and cooperate. We, we like to care and communicate. And all those are great. And, and normally that's just fine. But there comes a time. By the way, this is what our country was built on. There comes a time when we have to show up and we have to stand up. And we have to speak up. And, you know, you and I have to be ready to do that. We have to be ready to do that for the right things. We have to know how to do it in the right way. We've got we've to be there and be present uh, with the right people. And sometimes at the right time. May God help us with all of that. To put it together correctly. To be what it ought to be. But, you know, we wouldn't have America. We wouldn't have this country if there weren't some people in the past who walked with God enough to understand that. And then to be present to do it. You know, to sign their name on the Declaration of Independence. Hey, that took great courage. Uh, that took, that took uh, willingness to sacrifice. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Hey, if you want to live for God, guess what it's going to require? It's going to require a presentation. You presenting yourself as available. you got to be available to God. You have to make yourself a living sacrifice uh, to, to present your body uh, to the Lord that way. So Paul's saying here, I, present, I, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Isn't that something? So guess what? A sacrifice couldn't just be any old thing. The offerings of God had special instructions attached. You see, if you were going to please God, if, you were gonna, if, you were, if your offering was going to be received by God, then it had to be given a certain way. That brings us to the next word. Not just presentation, because we we need to be present, we need to show up. But number two, the word preparation. You know, there's some preparation that needs to happen. That's why we can't afford to coast through the Christian life. Hey, there's some things we have to pay attention to. It's not enough just to go to church. It's not enough just to crack your Bible once in a while. It's not enough just to pray over your meal and thank God at night before you go to sleep. That's not enough. There's some, presenta- some preparation that has to take place if our presentation is going to be what it ought to be. We have to prepare. We, first, we've got to prepare us. We've got to prepare this whole heart of ours. We've got to prepare our mind because, you know, our mind just isn't automatically programmed to think the way God thinks. And, and we have some preparation to make. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 1, that we present ourselves a living sacrifice. But how? It says holy Well, we're not that. If we're going to become that, 
there's going to have to be some work that's got to be done, right? And then it says, acceptable unto God. You know, the first thing is, we have to prepare enough to even know what that is. Abel knew what that was, but Cain did not. Why? Because Abel prepared. He took the time to know God's instructions on how to bring an offering to the Lord. So his offering was received of God because he prepared. But Cain, on the other hand, he didn't put the effort in. He didn't take the time to investigate. He didn't ask the right questions. He didn't get the right information. And he didn't have the right instructions. So he brought his offering to God and God rejected it. Hey, folks, that's why it's, it's not enough. It's not enough to just be sincere. It's not enough to just believe. You can believe in the wrong thing. And you can be sincere, but you can put your faith in the wrong place, in the wrong people or the wrong person. You know, people say Buddha, Muhammad, uh, Confucius, Jesus, you know, they say there are many roads to heaven. No, my friend, the Bible says there's but one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. Why? Was he, was he downing the other people? Not necessarily. His intention was to clarify that he was the only way. And the reason for that, the purpose of that clarification, was the cross. Jesus is the only one who met God's requirements to be the offering, the Lamb of God, that would take away sin. Because of that, Jesus qualifies to be our Savior. And he's the only one who does. Because he's the only one who was prepared to be that sacrifice. Sorry, but Buddha couldn't do it. Confucius couldn't do it. Muhammad couldn't do it. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't be the Lamb of God because they don't qualify. They're not prepared. The preparation's not understood. It's not an offering. It's not, it's not a, something that God would accept. Hey, you notice the Bible says, acceptable unto God. You know what that means? That means that there are things that are not acceptable. So you want to do enough homework, enough research... You want to read enough to know God's instructions so that you can understand and present yourself in a way that you are acceptable to God. Acceptable. It would be sad, wouldn't it? To go through the effort of preparing a sacrifice and presenting it to God for him only to reject it. Oh, I can't receive that. I can't receive that. It would be like someone preparing a meal for you but not taking the time to ask or consider that you might have an allergy. And they go through all this expense and work to prepare this meal. And then when they present it to you, you say, oh, I'm, oh, I'm terribly sorry, but I cannot eat that because I have an allergy. Oh, all of that for nothing. Right? When we serve God, we want it to be acceptable. When we live for God, we want it to be acceptable in order for that to happen. We have to know what his word says. We have to know what his instructions are so that we can be that. Why? So that we can be acceptable. So that all the effort and work we put in is accepted by him in the end. That's the idea. It's the word preparation. But not only that, notice in verse 2, 
There's another word for us. It's the word transformation. Transformation. Notice Paul says in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he gives some powerful instructions here because we, I think, sometimes, when, especially when we're coasting, right? We at some times, we have the desire to fit in and to conform. And we just kind of want to blend in and be like everybody else. The problem is that goes against the philosophy of Scripture. The Bible tells us that we're unique, that we're created by God on purpose, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And God wants us to shine in the way he made us. God wants us to be who he created us to be. He doesn't want us to blend in. He wants us to stand out. And, and you know, we, we need to understand the will of God enough to understand the word of God enough to allow that transformation to happen. It's, it's learning to think different than the world does. The world has philosophies that go against what the Bible teaches. That's because the world's ways are not God's ways. And that's what God said to the prophet earlier. He said, my ways are not your ways in Isaiah. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. They're so much higher, right? And we have to understand that about God and be willing to learn God's ways and God's ways of thinking so that we can be what God wants us to be. Transformation is what needs to happen. You know, the world's into education and the world's into information and the world's in for communication, right? But what God's in, in on is transformation. Transformation. It's so much better. It's so much more powerful. And that happens when we learn to think the way God thinks. Notice, the, notice he said there, he said, and be, be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You know, that word renewing there, it has the idea of renovation. We call it remodeling. Right? And you know what happens when, when you remodel. A lot of times you got to go in, and the first thing you got to do is you got to tear things up. You got to tear out the old so that you can install the new. We're remodeling, right? We're remodeling the room, or we're remodeling this piece of furniture, or we're remodeling the house. God says you need to remodel your mind so that it's shaped and formed and fashioned after the Word of God and the way God thinks. He's not saying that we should walk around every day using biblical language. But he is just saying that we need to, we need to come to terms with what God teaches so that, so that our thoughts and our conclusions, our opinions, line up with his. Right? Now, there are times in life when stuff happens, and, and we, we, on our side of the fence, we kind of say this, and sometimes jokingly, we, we say, you know, well, well, I don't agree with God. And we may do that sometimes to console ourselves because maybe, maybe a loved one passed or maybe we went through a hard trial in life and maybe some situation uh, you know, more difficult than we could understand has occurred and, and, and we've been affected by that. Well, that's all understandable. But even in those moments of deep darkness and deep pain and, and hurt, we have to remember that we're not seeing the whole picture. And God is. And he is still wiser and higher than us. And his ways are more perfect than our ways. And that he has a reason for what he allows in our life, even if we don't understand what it is. And by the way, isn't that why he's God? 
no wonder we can't understand everything. We're not God. He's God. Right? If we understood everything he understood, he wouldn't be any better than us. Any bigger than us. But that, that's what makes him so infinitely bigger than us. Is that God can take even the worst things of life and bring about some good in it. That's what Romans 8.28 is about. God can take what we think is a mistake and a mess up and all of that, and God can turn it into his purpose and use it for his glory. And, 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 and it can, he can create out of that a thing that blesses many people. Isn't that something? And, you know, when you listen to people's testimonies, that's often what he does. He takes some of the darkest moments of people's lives and turns that into the brightest shining light for others. And only God can do that. Only God can take something we don't understand and use it with such great purpose. That's because he's God. Hey, you know, we, we, we got a lot of work to do. We need to allow God to transform us. That transformation happens when we understand the principle of our mind and we, we let God help us learn to think like he thinks. You know how that happens? It happens by reading his word. There's nothing that'll, that'll help that transformation happen quicker, smoother, and better than you just spending time in the word of God. The more familiar with the Bible you become, the more you know what God says about things, the more you'll find yourself talking about it, thinking about it, and understanding what God's doing in this world. Transformation. Word number four, we have to have transformation so that we can do this. It's the word demonstration. Demonstration. And you know what? To, to those people that are outside these walls this morning, this might be the most important word to them. Have you ever heard the saying that goes like this? You are the only Bible that some people will ever read. Yeah, because they're watching your life. They don't take the time to go to church. They don't take the time to study the Bible, but they're watching Christians. And they're trying to figure out what, what are we all about? What is, what is this thing? Is this thing really real or not? Hey, you know what? It's the word demonstration. Look at verse 2. Paul said, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? He said that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word prove means to demonstrate. It means to walk it out in real life. It means to put it on display, right? We, we are uh, living testaments to the word of God. Paul, in another, in another epistle, Paul said that we're living epistles, living examples of what the Bible teaches. That's what you and I as believers, that's what we should be. So people who don't know what the Bible says, people who don't know the Lord, they should be able to look at us and kind of understand a little bit of it by, by seeing us demonstrate or, or live out what we've learned. It's demonstration. And I hope we're given a good demonstration to the world. That happens when we do God's will. You know, a lot of Christians know God's will. A lot of Christians talk about God's will. A lot of Christians pray for God's will. But do we do God's will? Right? Do we do it? That's what the world needs. Hey, they need to see Christians with boots on. 
They need to see Christians at work living out the will of God in their life, proving and demonstrating, putting on display the perfect will of God that's good and acceptable and it's perfect. The word perfect means whole or complete. You know what? God's got a complete plan, not just a partial plan. And when God works in our life and he has his way, you know, we usually come away saying, Jesus does all things well. God did it better than I would have or could have. That's because he's God. You know, if we were just going to put this in simple words, we would say, Paul is teaching us to first give yourself to God and then be holy, live a Christian life. And then think the way God thinks and do God's will. Do God's will. How does all that happen? It's presentation, preparation, transformation, demonstration. How does all of that take place? It takes place because of the first word that I saved for last. Because in order to do all of that, you have to make a decision. There has to be a decision, and that's the fifth word, decision. Notice what he said here in verses 1 and 2. Paul writing said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, and he gives his message. So why is Paul beseeching Christians? The word beseech here, he means, he's saying, I'm, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, please. Why is Paul begging Christians? He says, look, don't do it for me, but I'm begging you by the mercy of God. Why is he pleading the mercy of God over the lives of believers? What he's saying is, because of the mercy of God in your life, he saved you from sin and the consequences of death and hell. Based on that mercy that you have received, he's saying, isn't that mercy strong enough, good enough, worth it enough for you just to live for God? Jesus died for you. He's just asking you to live for him. Couldn't you do that? Notice he said, by the mercies of God, he said that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is what? It's just your reasonable service. Paul is saying, hey, this is the least we can do for God since he did so much for us by his mercy and by his death on the cross. He did so much for us. Hey, the least we can do is live for him. And so he says, I'm coming to you. I'm begging you, please, because of God's mercy, please live for him. Why was Paul begging them? Why did he base it on the mercy of God? Why was he imploring? Because they, like us, they had to make a decision. Am I going to live for God or am I going to live for myself? Isn't it interesting? The devil doesn't ever come to you. He never gets up on your shoulder and the devil never says, oh, you should live for the devil. Oh, you should be a Satan worshiper. He doesn't do that. You know why he doesn't do that, Brother Junior? Because, man, we would just knock him right off of there. I ain't doing that. I'm not going to be that. No way. Hey, first of all, who wants to take the side of a loser? 
We already read Revelation. We know who wins. I don't want to be on your side. You live in hell, buddy. I don't want to go there. No. So he doesn't do that. He gets up on your shoulder and says, hey, do you really want to go to church this morning? Oh, aren't you tired? Do you really want to read your Bible? Man. You know, God doesn't care if you read it every day. Right? The devil gets up on your shoulder and he talks about what you want to do. And the devil says, just just do your way. Just do what you want. Just do what feels good. If you're too tired, don't worry about it. It's all right. You see, the the devil promotes a have-it-your-way life. A have-it-your-way Christianity. And you know, because of that, I'm afraid some people have kind of made God into somebody he's not. It's like, wait a minute, which God are you talking about anyway? If you're talking about the God of the Bible, I don't know if he fits your description. Are we making our own God with this have-it-your-way philosophy? Hey, I'm telling you, that's how the devil gets through to Christians. That's how he gets us to back up on God. That's how he gets us to not be a living sacrifice. That's how he gets us to not shine as lights in the world. It's not so much, you know, that we want to send the world to hell, but, but hey, he just gets us to just put out the flame. And the way he does that is just getting us to live for self. Just do what you want. Just do what feels good. What makes sense to you? Oh, okay. Do we only do the things that we know and understand and only what makes sense to us? That puts us in the driver's seat, doesn't it? If I can figure it out, if I can understand it, if I can want to do it, well, then I'll do it. Well, that, that kind of makes you God, doesn't it? You just be the God of your own life. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? We have to be aware. That's why Paul said be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, he roams about. That's why the Bible says we have to put on the armor of God. Because, you know, like that, like that old song says, you know, this is a battle. It's not a playground. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game, right? We've we got to put on the armor of God because we're in a war. And we have an enemy and the Bible says that enemy, he's, he's throwing those fiery darts at us. And often, what are they? You know, I used to think those darts were temptations and stuff. And, and I guess sometimes they could be. But, but I think mostly those fiery darts are thoughts that he uses to get us to think contrary to what God wants us to think. Because in that way, he gets us to not do what God wants us to do. And that's why Paul had to come to Christians and say, please, I'm begging you by the mercy of God, be what God wants you to be. Be a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice. Be alive for the Lord. Live the way He wants you to live. That's why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, because he loved me so much, because because of what he did for me, now 
I'm going to live for him. And I'm just going to take the life I have. I'm going to live my life, but I'm going to do it his way. Sounds pretty simple until you try it. It's really hard, isn't it? Sometimes it's not always clear what we should do or what we should be or how we should react. You know, sometimes the first thing that comes to your mind is the last thing you ought to say. It requires some temperance, some self-restraint to do what God wants. We have to restrain self. Boy, that's, that can be a real challenge sometimes, can it? It's a decision. You know what Paul was saying? You've got to decide ahead of time. You've got to decide ahead of time. If you want your life to take shape for the Lord, here it is. Give yourself to God. Be holy. Live the Christian life. Think the way God thinks. Do God's will. And in order to do all that, you've got to decide ahead of time. Lord, I'm resolved. My mind is made up. I'm going to live for Jesus. Hey, have you ever made that decision? That's what Paul was saying. The last word that's going to help your life take shape for the Lord. What is it? It's the word decision. Have you ever made the decision to live for the Lord? To just do it all for Him? That's what this passage is about. And Paul's saying, man, you should. He said it's just our reasonable service. It's just a reasonable thing to do after all He's done for you. Just live for him, right? Hey, we can all do that. We can all do it. You don't have to have a special calling. You don't have to have a special talent. You don't have to have a special gift. You just got to make a decision. And so God in his word, Romans chapter 12, God just put it out there. He said, I'm just going to leave this right here for you. It's a decision that you need to make. You want to serve God? You want to be a light to the world? You want to be different? He said, right here, you got to decide. Nobody can do that for you. you got to be like the songwriter said, I am resolved. No longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Right? I'm resolved. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, how we thank you for your word today. And the special truths built into these two verses of Romans chapter 12. Lord, what a powerful message that the Apostle Paul brings. What a powerful plea that he puts forth. Lord, knowing that we have a decision to make to follow the Lord, because it's not going to happen on autopilot. It's not going to happen by accident. If we're going to be a good Christian, we're not just going to fall out of bed and be one. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take some presentation, some preparation, transformation even, and a lot of demonstration. So, Lord, help us today to be willing to make that decision. Like Isaiah, to say, okay, Lord, here am I. I'll, I'll live for you. I'll serve you. I'll spend time in your word. I'll pray. I, I'll, I'll learn. I'll follow God's instructions. And I'll live them out. Lord, may that be us, all of us. Lord, I pray you just use your word to do your work in our hearts today. And we do thank you in advance for all you do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.